All right, well, let's get into the message today. I, I'd like to do something a little different than normal um, with, a, with a text today. Uh, listen, I, I, I know those of us who have grown up in church, if you start trying to add anything to Scripture, you start thinking, oh boy, you know, all the wrath of God is going to come on you. And, and I'm going to do something today that's not trying to add to Scripture or put anything that's not there except for just trying to imagine what a scenario must have been like, fill in maybe a little bit of the blanks. Uh, so if you'll allow me a little bit of creativity in this, just know that we will read the Scripture in the text and know what God's Word says, and then everything else that I may put in there to try to imagine what the situation might really have been like to be there, you can take it or leave it, all right? Uh, but we'll, we'll get in that. Before I do, let me ask you this. What do you call a pig thief? A hamburglar. What do you get when you play tug-of-war with a pig? Pulled pork. Man, I tell you what, the early risers in first service... I'm really happy to see there's more and more seats filling up. They're, they're probably still, I think, beating you all a little bit on get, getting folks here. Uh, so you got your work ahead of you. But they're a little more lively. So let me try. Maybe if my jokes are, if, if my jokes are bad, I'd understand, but they actually laugh. So um, how about this? How do you take a sick pig to the hospital? In a ambulance. What do you call a pig that does karate? Pork chop. What happened to the pig who lost, lost its voice? It became disgruntled. <laughs> Why should you never tell a pig a secret? Because they like to squeal, right? So this pig farmer, he, he has a favorite pig, and he's in his truck traveling through uh, a few states, and the pig's in the front. And he gets into this town, and it gets pulled over by police, and they said, hey, sir, why do you have your farm animal? Why have your pig in the front? He says, well, he likes to ride up here. Well, you can't do that. The pig's got to ride in the back. It says, in fact, that pig belongs in a zoo. So when you get to the next city, uh, I want you to take that pig to the zoo. He said, okay. So uh, a few days later, the farmers come back through, pig in the front again. Same police officer sees him and says, I can't believe he ignored what I said. That pig did not, that pig's not at the zoo. So he pulls him over and says, hey, didn't I tell you to take that pig to the zoo? And he said, oh yeah, we had such a good time there. We're going to the state fair now. <laughs> All right, so you guys are alive. All right. Well, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, we're going to look at the end of Mark chapter 4, starting verse 37, and, and then sweep into chapter 5 right after that, into verse 19. So if you'll just get to the end of chapter 4, you'll be able to find where we're at moving forward. And once you get there, then I'll, I'll read the text for you. So if you're there, say, I'm there. If you need more time, say, hold on. Okay. Mark chapter 4, starting verse 37. All right. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he, speaking of Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said, Teacher, this is the disciples, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Moving into Mark chapter 5, starting verse 2. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with unclean spirit. 
So this is a demon-possessed man. So Jesus and the disciples, going through a great storm on the waters, they wake Jesus. Hey, aren't you worried about us dying here? And Jesus speaks, peace be still to the storm. And it calms. And then they're immediately, when they get to the shore, they're greeted by a demon-possessed man. Verse 3, he lived among the tombs, so he lived in the graveyard, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but wrenched the chains apart and broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Now some of you will remember, especially through the 70s, that, that uh, the drug LSD it gave a false, what they thought uh, people acted like superhuman. Well, it wasn't really that they were acting superhuman, what was happening is there's a very needed thing our brain does that says you're pushing your body to the point of injuring yourself or straining yourself, and it would shut that off. And so they would do things that seemed like superhuman, but it was just that, you know, when the police would go subdue somebody, an average person in the right mind would know, hey, I better stop or I'll get hurt. And, and, and so I've mentioned to you before in the military, they talk about the 60-40 rule when it comes to exerting yourself. That the human brain, they, they estimate that when you're about at 60% of your maximum effort, your brain says, I, I'm done. It, it fools you and says, I'm at 100%. It's a protective factor. So I, I mentioned in special forces, all a lot of their training is to help those men get to the point where they're able to, to fool their brain back into saying, no, I have 40% more. And that's why they accomplish so much more. They're not superhuman. Their bodies are made the same as yours. They have conditioned and toned and got themselves a point of being able to push past that 60. Well, in a case of drug addiction, or now in this man, a demon-possessed man, the, the demon is lying to him just as, as the devil did to Eve in the beginning. says, oh, you won't surely die, right? So it's not that he's superhuman. He's breaking chains and all of us think, oh, wow, that's like a supernatural thing. The body is probably capable of that, but you also break bones. So this man is, is uh, demon-possessed, and so uh, he's living in the graveyard. So this is the spookiest of spooky things. You've got a guy that's crazy out of his mind. He's breaking chains. Nobody else is doing They finally just resolve to let him live in the graveyard, right? They don't even need to, to um, set up a town Halloween party. All they got to do is they just walk through the graveyard. Scare you enough, right? So he lived among the tombs. No one could bind him any more chains, for he'd often bound with shackles and chains, but he'd wrench the chains. Verse 5, night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him, and crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I urge you, or in some of your... Uh, uh, translation is a different word there but I urge you by God do not torment me for he was saying to him come out of the man you unclean spirit so Jesus is in the process of casting him out the demon realizes the power he's dealing with the most high God the son of, the son of God and so he's basically saying please don't mess with me and Jesus asked him what is your name and he replied my name is legion for many so possibly thousands of demons in this man hundreds of thousands of demons in this man and he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside and they begged him saying send us into the pigs let us enter them so he gave him so jesus gave them permission and the unclean spirits the demons came out of them and entered came out of him and entered into the pigs and the herd 
Now listen to this, numbering about 2,000. Young people think, I don't know if any of you have ever had experience around pigs, but you can only have a few pigs in a pen, and if they're hungry and you're in there, they can be downright mean, right? This 2,000 rushed down a steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen of the pigs fled and told in the city and, and in the country. And the people came to see what it is that happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man and the one who had the great legion sitting there. He's clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Verse 16, And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to, to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might go with him. And Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. There, there's an interesting look at this because the Sea of Galilee, you've got to understand the Sea of Galilee is about 13 miles long and about 8 miles wide. So I don't know what Beaver Lake is because it spiderwebs out. But, you know, in relative to, to that, this really isn't a huge, huge body of water, 13 miles long, 8 miles wide. The deep, deepest part is 100, 141 feet. I know that there's deeper places in Beaver Lake because I've scuba dived down to 60 feet and came up on treetops from when they, they uh, submerged that lake. And so, um, you know, and again, not real deep. It's located 700 feet below sea level, so it's the lowest freshwater lake on earth. But here's the interesting thing. It's said that it's surrounded by very tall hills or mountains. On the eastern side especially, it rises as much as 2,000 feet up. And so uh, as a result of these factors, it's possible under most circumstances to see all the way across the uh, Sea of Galilee from one side to another. And so this morning, I want to recount this story from a perspective of our pig farmers, these swine herders, these pig farmers. I, you know, I've heard many sermons about uh, the viewpoint of the demon-possessed man being freed and Jesus, but we don't hear a lot about the disciples aren't mentioned a whole lot in this account when they reach shore, nor the pig farmers. We hear only a little bit. These are pig farmers who lost their herd in order for a for Jesus to set a man's soul free. And, and what this can teach us about, the, about uh, ourselves is sometimes when Jesus steps in to answer the needs of a lost soul, of a tormented soul, that often it can be very costly to those around. That, that it doesn't always go the way that we think it should, especially if we're the ones who it's costing. So I want to look at this and look at uh, this from the perspective of the pig farmers so i'm going to read this to you more like uh, a little narrative added in and uh, you can just listen and see if you can understand where these pig farmers might be coming from they were on a high high hills overlooking the lake during the storm when the de demoniac approached jesus and according to alfred emerstein a jewish biblical scholar in the clear eastern air not a word that spoke was spoken out there probably would have been lost if any of you have grown up up north when it snows there's certain kind of temperature of the air and all where you can be across a large span of space and someone speak and you can hear it the sound travels so there's certain dynamics in nature where 
voices can be heard. And they say, uh, this uh, biblical scholar says that likely in that environment that these pig farmers would have heard and seen everything even from a great dis- even if they were a great distance. The story goes a little like this. Five fearful pig farmers huddled in a cave above the Sea of Galilee, watching the fierceness of the storm raging across the lake. It was one of the worst situations they'd ever seen. Their pigs and hogs had run for cover in a deep canyon on the shoulder of the mountains. The whole storm was spookier because the madman had come from the tombs and was roaming the sides of the hills a half a mile away adding his screams and his mad behavior to the storm as if he were trying to increase the fury and the fear. The pig farmers noticed, though, through the rain and a distance, a boat struggling to reach their, their side. It could be seen when it reached the top of the white-capped waves and then uh, jetting below as the waves would go, that likely the waves were crashing over the bow of the boat as they're watching. One of the pig farmers might have said, it's not going to make it. And, and it didn't look like it would as, as one of the great waves, one after another, broke over the bow. But then this lone figure they see, when it finally looked like the end was near for this little boat and its inhabitants, they suddenly saw a figure stand up, upright in the boat, stretch out his hands towards the sea and the sky. And knowing that with all the wind and the waves, that likely they heard his booming voice say, Peace be still. Be quiet. Be muzzled to the storm. We see in Mark 4.39. There's instantly a change in the wind and the waves and it died. Now see, this has been very odd for them. They would have known something supernatural happened because in the Sea of Galilee, when a storm like that would hit, often for days, the water would still be turbulent. That the water would still be moving because of the size of the body of the water and because of the way the winds came over the, the high points of the hills nearby. So this was very much a supernatural event they saw happen where the, the storm seemed to calm at the command of this man on the boat. The transformation was immediate. Now likely the pig farmers, this is where I'm adding in that we don't have scripture, but likely they looked at each other whispering, did you see that? I, I've never seen anything like it. Do you think the man on the boat made the storm stop? He must be a wizard or a sage, said another. And the first said, and look, even the swine are coming back. What a strange day. But the day wasn't over. They watched as the boat quietly glided to the the shore near them. One of the pig farmers said, "Uh uh-oh, here comes the madman. He's heading down toward the boat. Should we shout? Should we warn them? Another one says, he's like, oh, attack them. One of them, the honorary one, obviously, probably answered, no, let's just see what happens. It might make a good story to tell at the end when we go back into town later. Maybe a few of them laughed. When the madman, intensely, seemingly, hopelessly, demon-possessed man, got down to the level where the boat was, he began running toward them with a wild, crazed expression. And at the last moment, he fell on his knees and began wailing and thrashing. For the man who had stopped the storm had commanded, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. The demonized man whimpered and cried, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. 
Jesus demanded to know the evil spirit's name and he replied, Legion, for many of us are in him. And the man-man started begging and pointing, Send us into the pigs. Then the shepherd, the, the shep, sheep herders, they looked at each other and laughed. What kind of joke was the madman playing on this stranger? What kind of foolishness was he bringing on? No one could command spirits to do that. But the story was getting even better. But Jesus stood straight upright and commanded, Go. The pig farmer stood breathless for a moment. Then suddenly the entire herd of swine, 2,000 and all, began to froth and, and run in circles and act crazy. And then all at once they turned and rushed down the hill into the water like they'd lost their minds. They kept piling into the water until the living pigs were running over the drowned ones and charging out further and further in the water. Now, I could tell you some stories I've heard about people's experience with pigs, not wild ones, but farm animals, and they will eat a human. They will eat each other. They, they have no mercy. They have no courtesy. They don't have a sense of community. It's feed me. It's survival. They're very simple-minded when it comes to that. So you can imagine the fury and the water turning blood red and just the, the carnage that was going in as they were forcing themselves out to their death. After three or four horrible minutes, all was silent except for an occasional squeal of death. And I guess you could say that now we know that deviled ham and the swine flu go all the way back to Jesus' time. The swine flu, and they were deviled ham. You're still listening. That's good, some of you. The pig farmers had jumped and shouted when the pigs started running. Many thousands of denarii, their, their currency was tied up in those swine. They were responsible for them. They likely didn't own them. They are likely being hired to take care of them. 2,000 of their master's swine, pigs, were dead. They were going to have to answer that. What was laughing about what this madman was going to do to this man on the boat, they now realized that the tables had turned and the cost of this event really fell on them. They may have ran after the pigs, yelling and cursing, and tried to restrain some of them, but it was impossible. They seemed determined in their purpose to drown themselves. And when they saw that all that was lost, the pig farmers turned their anger towards a stranger. That was Jesus. It's your fault. It's your fault the swine is dead. They had to report this to their boss. There was going to be trouble. Meanwhile, on the shore, a scene of, of sweeter kind was taking place. The madman that everybody knew as the madman who lived in the tombs, who was demon-possessed, crazy, breaking chains, they'd given up on him. Minister to society, he was a madman no more. He had been restored back to the way his creator had meant him to be. Reason and light was now shining back in his eyes and restored to his face. The disciples took some of their clothes likely and clothed him. He said to Jesus, Lord, let me come and follow you. But Jesus replied, no, for now, I want you to return to your family and friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and had mercy on you. He probably said, but Lord, why don't you, why don't you come with me? It would be even easier if, I could, if you could just tell them yourselves, if they could see you themselves, meet you themselves, as Jesus probably declined. And you know, this is one of the lessons we can learn from this. Isn't this the age-old thing that us and our sinful nature want? We say, Lord, 
Why don't you show yourself to my lost loved one? Why don't you show yourself to my boss? Why don't you show yourself to this world? Why are we seeing all this, this degradation and this stuff going on in the world? Why don't you show yourself to them so that they'll have to bow before you? And I believe many times Jesus is saying, I'm sending you to show me to them through you. I, de- I saved you from the muck and the mire you're out of for the sole purpose of you taking that story and telling the story. Now, I didn't do it before this service. First service, I gave a chance to give testimonies about, about those who had had a chance to witness to others and, and be able to tell a story or they prayed that someone will witness to someone far away and what happened. And we should be having those stories all the time because if we're being sent out, if we're taking what God's done in us, then we should be, we should be seeing the madmen restored back through God using us. But many times we want Jesus to go do it for us. The pig farmers ran and told everyone they met about what happened, both in the town and in the countryside in Luke 8:34. A large crowd gathered and gravitated to the spot. Now, this doesn't surprise me at all. If you've ever been on I-49 and there's a little fender bender, there'll be cars backed up for miles going so slow and you think there's some kind of horrible tragedy and maybe people died and you get up there and everybody just slowly drive by to look at the, there's two cars and a police car. We've got to stop and see, right? So you think about this, 2,000 dead pigs floating in the water. These men upset. The man they knew as the madman who lived in the tombs is now restored. Word is spreading. People begun to come out. A crowd is starting to come around. And when they saw the madman dressed in his right dressed and right in mind, sitting at Jesus' feet in Luke 8, 35, they were afraid. They were afraid then. It goes to prove that there's something in our spirit, in our sinful spirit, that, that prompts us to fear the wrong thing. In the garden, it was a fear over not having control and God having control. When really they need to understand that their, their fear needed to be in the enemy who was trying to put them against God. All through scripture, and even today in our lives, many times we're afraid of the wrong thing. We pray, God, would you just reach that difficult person at work and would you save them? And it happens. And then all of a sudden they're calling you day and night having questions about scripture and calling you late at night. And maybe they're needing to go meet you and you're having to take them to dinner or whatever. And all of a sudden you're like, this has cost me life. This is a problem. Why don't this person just love Jesus in little increments like I did? Why do they have to do everything at once? They're hounding me to death. You know, we, we pray and we ask for God to answer these these. Uh, problems for us that people come to know him but all of a sudden we realize now they're our disciple and it's costing us something and often we realize wait a minute i wanted jesus to go do it for me but i didn't want to be a part of this these pig farmers they hadn't met the lord before obviously by what we see in here they had an opportunity they're face to face with the son of god they've seen two mighty miracles and the people in the town who have dealt with this madman see this and they're afraid what are they afraid of? That, that maybe their sin will be expelled too? They'd often set parties of men to capture and chain him, but he was always breaking the chains. Now they see him completely sane and clothed. Who must this man Jesus, who must he be who could, who could control the weather and command the demon spirits and restore the sanity of the criminal and insane? Whoever he was, Jesus was too dangerous to have among them. 
And I'm going to tell you, folks, this is the dynamic. While we think that we're uh, oblivious to this, we think, oh, I love Jesus, I just worshiped him. I'm not, but it's the same thing you feel when you step in the grocery store and there's a still small voice that says, you need to tell that cashier about the Lord. Or you need to ask them if they're okay. You need to open that door. And you think, ah, you know, I'm, I'm running late. Or I'm not here, there's people standing behind us and they're here. Fearing the wrong thing. Instead of... Instead of facilitating and being a, a vessel to be used for the supernatural to change other people's lives, for God to use us, we often back off in fear like something terrible is going to happen to our lives if we allow God to work in miraculous ways. There's no doubt that the pig farmers lost their jobs because there was no more pigs to tend. However, God, I'm sure in his infinite wisdom, provided for them but the pig farmers had a lousy job anyway being the most attested members of the Jewish race see pigs were unclean pigs were not exactly you know for the religious people was not something you would eat and so they detested these pig farmers so much they would often not even mention their name but after this incident the pig farmers I'm sure became celebrated and sought after because the people there in that area wanted to hear again and again the story of Jesus coming to the shores. You see, it's all about the story, the gospel being told. It's not about our commerce. It's not about the stuff we own. It's not about the building we have. It's about the people of God telling the story. It's about those who encounter Jesus telling the story of that encounter time after time through scripture and what breaks in us is when we ever stop telling the story about what god's done in us we dry up we lose our purpose we lose our focus and we become just religious we become settled we become stuck in a rut that we can't understand why we're doing what we're doing and we lie to ourselves and others saying that we are christ followers but yet we don't emulate the very basic thing he taught us to do is whatever I have done for you, you go and tell others. Instead, we fear what we may lose when he begins to work. You see, the church, in the church, there are many facets of the story that we could pick out that apply to us today. But let me ask you something else. Where were the disciples that had been in the boat during the storm event? Now, I added in the story that maybe they clothed the crazy man, the madman, after he was made right. But where was the church when Jesus stepped out of the boat to confront the most evil thing that that, that countryside had to deal with? A man that was being tormented, when they stepped out, where was the disciples? It seems that they might have still been in the boat. And again and again, I believe Jesus is trying to show us that it's a matter of stepping out stepping next to Christ and letting him show you how to reach the people in the most difficult situations. I mean, Jesus had just calmed the deadly storm. They feared they were dying, and now Jesus had proven it, that under his control, he could control the storms and even the evil spirits. But were they still cowering in the boat? Jesus is facing a legion of demons. And many of us would say, oh man, if I could be next to Jesus, I'd fight with him. And I'd do it too. But here are those who were walking with Jesus in the flesh. The unbelieving swine herders, the pig farmers, 
even when the madman is healed, do they rejoice? No, they worried about their jobs. The townspeople, they would have rather had a man, man, that madman they couldn't control as long as he's out of sight, out of mind. You know, hey, all we have to worry about him when we have a funeral. When one of our loved ones die, we've got to worry about the madman going to the tombs. Other than that, let him be. They'd rather have the man, man they couldn't deal with than Jesus who could do what they, what they couldn't explain. What about the demon-possessed man? How did, how did he get that way? I mean, we don't know who he grew up with, what, what happened to him that allowed this to happen, but you definitely have a community who, who this kind of thing's happening, and, and they just let it go. They don't, they don't connect with the true God that can do something about it. And easily in a church setting, we can let sin begin to run rampant, and if it's not held in check, if we're holding each other accountable, before we know it, we're just letting people leave to solve our problems. Jesus wants us to confront the problems head on. When Jesus came, he changed everything. Some of us might be hiding in a boat worried about our personal safety because the storm around you is all you can see. Even when Jesus calms it, what if there's another? I should just stay in the boat. Meanwhile, Jesus is working to fulfill his promise all around you and we're missing out on the adventure. Some here might feel like the pig farmers today that Jesus is doing a miracle right in front of your eyes and you can't see it for what it is because you have been focused on keeping your backside out of trouble. He's trying to save you because you can't save yourself. But you're still trying. What about the community? They just don't want to risk what they have to rescue the broken and bound folks. The ones heading for hell. They have to stop and say, what do you do when there's no more pork to eat? Eat crow. Jesus, I messed up. I should have been there by your side when you wanted to rescue that person in bondage. Jesus, I messed up. I, I've been trying to save myself every time something comes up and I've missed the bigger picture. You have been trying to save me all along. Or Jesus, I messed up. I've been so wrapped up in building my own safe haven and building defenses to keep out of trouble that I've left others out for the enemy to devour. When we have the opportunity before us that we have to expand our borders and be able to bring more into the fold, that doesn't happen because Jesus just shows up for us in our community and shows himself to them. He could, but he chooses to do it through us. And there are people who are bound, who the enemy is torturing. And we need to make sure we're not so worried about protecting our pigs and our own stuff that we aren't willing to sacrifice everything to see one saved, one freed, one delivered. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this day and for your word, that through your word you've challenged us, Lord, to look at the perspective of these pig farmers, God, that, that yes, they just first encountered you, and, and we have to say maybe they didn't understand fully what was going on, but, but God, they, could, they couldn't get their heads wrapped around a mighty God who could free even the one that men could not bind. That right then and there, the the one who calmed the storms, the one who freed the demoniac, standing right there in their presence, that, that all 
the weight of the world that was on that community. God, we know from what we read, there must have been so much that Jesus could have done there if their hearts would have been open. But instead, they're saying, leave us. We're fearful of you correcting our problems. We're fearful of you correcting us or, or, or driving out the sin from our lives and the sin from our community. We're fearful of that when all along what they need to fear is the absence of Jesus. I pray for this church body and each individual that we would put, if we're going to have any fear, the fear would be of giving in to the temptation of the enemy, of, of backing off when Jesus, you are there trying to rescue others. And God, you may use our resources. It may be costly to us. It may be painful for us. But if we step out in boldness with you, Lord, and let you work the way that you want to work, God, that we'll see a harvest of souls, people freed from the worst bondage. I'm just going to take a moment. I'm going to ask you in, in, in your heart, you have a conversation with the Lord. The Holy Spirit is prompting you to say, Lord, I believe maybe I've not been giving my 100%. That, Lord, when I've hit my 60% of trying to reach others, that I've gone into protection mode, worried about what I might lose or what, how, how I'll do this. And, Lord, I, I need to trust you more that, God, even the most difficult situations, those who are bound and, and it seems like the world can do nothing with them, God, send me the ones that no one else will minister to. Send me those who, who everyone has given up on. Lord, I pray right now for my neighbor, Lord. I pray for those I, I see in Walmart, the grocery store. I pray for lost family members. God, open the door of opportunity. Use me, Lord, that they may be set free. That any bondage on those who do not know you, God, that, that Lord, I wouldn't sit in the boat trying to hide out for safety. God, I wouldn't try to hold back my 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 herd of pigs, God, my, my resources. But God, everything for your kingdom's sake, I give to you. Myself, my resources, my time, God, my efforts. 100%, Lord, I give to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. I pray that you seal it in our hearts, God. That, Lord, you remind us and motivate us, God. Help us stay on course. Help us to stay focused, Lord. Right now, there's a family who at home, instead of in this place of worship, this place of peace, there's violence, Lord. There's arguing, there's fighting, God. There's hurt. There's children that are in the midst of that. God, there are people in our own community who don't know where they're going to get their next meal. God, there are people all around us who are hurting and dying. What are we doing, Lord? Lord, we don't need to fill seats for a church service. We need to build a body of believers for your kingdom's sake. The seats are only to hold those, God, that their lives are being changed by the body of Christ reaching out to them. God, immobilize us, Lord. Send us out, God. Let us not be uh, shrink back anymore in our fear. God, let us speak out. God, these folks here, Lord, they have your word hidden in their heart. God, they can speak it out. Let your Holy Spirit, Lord, convict our hearts and move us. God, that this week, Lord, we'll start hearing testimonies, Lord, of, of people's lives being changed by the gospel being spread. Lord, let's not be low to sleep by all the, the degradation we see going on in our world right now. Let's not be hindered or slowed down. But God, not, not to speak on politics or, or on, Lord, on defense of our beliefs, God, but, but to reach out and give the message of hope that there is a Savior who even when the storms seem like they're going to end your life, 
that He can calm them. That even when you're bound inside by the worst enemy, God can free you. Lord, I pray that, Lord, if even one today would step out in faith and be rekindled and begin to share their faith boldly, loudly, publicly, God, that it begin to spur others on, Lord, and we would see a revival in this church, in this community, in other churches. God, I pray you'd use us. Let it start with me, Lord. Let it start with each here today. In Jesus' name. reach them. Amen? Call that neighbor. Call that family member. Don't hold back any longer. Time is short. Share the hope of the gospel. Watch the Lord free them. They may reject it. You can't, you can't save them. The Lord can't. They have to accept the message of hope. But don't be fearful of taking Jesus to the lost. Amen? I'm going to pray over the food, and then I'm just going to, it looks like they're probably close to ready, but we'll, we'll be able to move out. If you can stay with us for uh, lunch, we'd love that. Amen. Lord, thank you for this food. I pray you bless the food and the fellowship. And God, that you draw us closer together through everything we do so you may be glorified. That we're truly building a community of believers, Lord, a body of believers to reach this lost and dying world. In Jesus' name, amen.